You are listening to the 1830 Podcast Network. Find us easily by searching 1830 Podcast Network directly on the Apple Podcasts app, Google Podcasts app, or Spotify app. Also visit us at facebook.com forward slash 1830podcastnetwork for more information. All right, Angela, let's start with your family. Yeah, so uh, my family. My father's name is Elmer Brown, and uh, he grew up up in the mountains and uh, was raised in a family that was Catholic, and he wasn't part of the Church of Christ. Uh, my mother, she was uh, raised here in Phoenix, and she was also not part of the church. Uh, my mother and father actually met at church in the old church on Harvard Street, which is in downtown Phoenix. Okay, and then your mom, what was her uh, maiden name? Her first name is Debbie, as as I know, because uh, as you know, we, we grew up together, so it seems kind of silly asking you these questions. But yeah. uh, just in case anybody's listening to this podcast that doesn't quite know um, how you fit into to the church, um, your dad is Elmer, but everybody else calls him Andy. Everybody in the church calls him Andy. Um, yes. And I, that summer, I did work for your dad, construction. Uh, everybody did call him Elmer, and I had to kind of do a double take to figure out who Elmer was. Yeah. But uh, Elmer is his real name, and that's why uh, church call him Andy. Everybody else at work calls him Elmer. Uh, and your mom... Uh, so her name's Debbie. What was her maiden name? Yeah, so my mom's maiden name was Berenger. And uh, my grandparents, uh, Stanley and Bertha, were not part of the church. Um, they had bounced around all over different churches. My grandmother had a, uh, a degree in, in religion of some kind, so she was well-studied. And she just couldn't quite find the spirituality in, in most of the churches of the day. And they bounced around from what I've been told to a lot of churches. Finally, she wrote a letter to a minister, and I don't remember exactly who it was. And uh, a handwritten letter was returned to my grandmother that um, basically answered every question she had. You know, there was misspellings. There was stuff scratched out. It was probably the least attractive that you can think of from a reply from somebody in a church. But it it hit every single, you know, it, it literally checked every single of those boxes that she had, the questions she had spiritually, and they were introduced to the Church of Christ. So my mother's Deborah Berenger. Uh, again, my father is Elmer Brown Jr. because my grandfather was also Elmer. Tell us about your baptism. Uh, what age were you when you were baptized? Well, you know, it's I'm ashamed to say I don't remember the exact, uh, the exact age. Um, but I do, do we need to text your mom and ask her if, if she knows? Yeah, I may, I may need to phone a friend or uh, a text <laughs> on that one. Um, I I'm trying to think because I had been invited to go to Africa. The work in Kenya had just started and I don't remember the exact date, 97, maybe 98. Uh, and your father, Brian, uh, and Smith buzz Brickhouse had gone there. And it, the work was only a few years old and I had been invited to go to Africa and I wasn't baptized. And that was a little bit of an issue. Uh, your father sat me down and was like, listen, you have to be a good example. I'm, I'm, I'm taking you on, you know, to, to go to Kenya, to be an example to the young people, uh, because I believe that, you know, you're uh, a good young man and uh, that, you, you know, are going to portray the church correctly. And I took that to heart and it's, it's probably the single greatest factor in my life in several regards, that trip to Kenya with my father and your father. And I think that was 99 or 2000 and, and I'm horrible with dates. Um, and, and I wasn't baptized and I went on that trip. It was five weeks and the experiences I had with the Lord's people in Kenya um, truly changed the way I perceive life. Uh, and, and change the career path that I've chosen. And in uh, my spirituality was really kindled in that time. So I think we're going to say, uh, and we may phone my mom here and, and try to get the final answer, but I'm going to say it was 2001 I was baptized. And it was uh, here in Phoenix and I believe it was Joel and Jay who performed the, the service. 
Do you know your approximate age for that? Uh, <laughs> you're gonna make me do math. <laughs> I don't have enough coffee to do the math. Yeah, I was 13 or 14 when I was baptized because um, because it was just a, f- a year or two before I was uh, called into the ministry. Okay, so you were baptized for a couple of years and then you were called. Um, tell us more about that calling to, into the ministry. So uh, again, it was uh, it all kind of started that desire when I went to to Kenya uh, and participated in the work there and really saw where the rubber meets the road of the gospel of Christ and how people whom had nothing uh, had such a joy and a peace uh, and in turmoil and difficulties that they face on a daily basis that we are insulated from here in the United States, how they had that faith and God took care of them. And so after my baptism, actually, Tony, you know, I haven't thought about this in a long time and, and it's good that I'm, that you're asking me this and I'm thinking about this again. Uh, it was a summer, a year, maybe a year and a half after I was baptized. Our family had taken a trip, um, like we did a lot of times to the reunions. You know, we, we used to go up to Idaho and we used to go up to Colorado and they were a week apart. So we would, you know, take the truck and the camper and we'd go up to one and then we'd just drive up to the other. It was, uh, it was one of the only times as a, a kid that we would have any semblance of a vacation uh, we're always busy doing doing other things, and we would take that week or that ten days. Um, so there was, and and again, I may not be exact on the, uh, the 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 details. I believe it was Idaho reunion first, and the services there were held at that time, not where they're held now uh, at the church, but they're held up in the mountains at uh, in, the, in the near the Sawtooth Mountains, and I don't remember the name of the park, but there was a park there. And, um, you know, I really enjoyed being out in nature and the beautiful pine trees. And I think all that really uh, helped me start to think even more seriously. I remember that we were staying in our little camper that we had pulled up there. And I remember praying uh, during the reunion in Idaho uh, about some of the things that were were spoken about, the, the sermons and the testimonies. And I felt a desire in my heart. Uh, and, and a tug, I don't know exactly how to explain it, a tug in my heart to uh, serve the Lord. I, I, a responsibility, a need, uh, something just tugging there. And I really felt like that on the Sunday morning uh, of the Idaho reunion with the sacrament service that um, I kind of had that feeling the Lord was going to speak to me. I didn't really know it was going to be a calling. I I don't think that that really came to my mind. It was just, I felt like the Lord had something for me, like there was something missing there. And the service, um, I don't remember exactly what happened, but it was shut down. And I remember after the service, I felt like something's missing. Something didn't happen that was supposed to happen. And so our family took the week, you know, to, to see some of the sites in Idaho and I don't remember if we went to Montana or where, but we ended up in Colorado uh, for the Colorado reunion. Um, And and your father and your mother were there. And uh, a lot of people from Phoenix, some people from up in uh, Idaho actually attended Uh, specifically rich, rich Bove was in attendance and uh, reunion was excellent. You know, the fellowship with the brothers and sisters. And uh, again, I felt that desire in my heart uh, that tug and this is hopefully a little bit humorous and not just showing how nerdy and weird I am. But I remember the morning of the, the reunion, the Sunday morning before the sacrament service in Colorado, a week prior having been in Idaho and having all those feelings kind of starting in my heart. <laughs> I remember I got up in the trailer, I went to the bathroom, uh, took a shower, you know, got ready, all that. And I remember pulling out my toothbrush and my toothpaste. This is just crazy that I'm even admitting this on a, on a podcast. But I remember thinking, you know, I shouldn't brush my teeth <laughs> because that toothpaste is sweet. And I want to enter that service um, fasting and praying and 
I want to be have my heart singled towards the the will of the Lord that whatever I missed in that service a week prior that the Lord deems me worthy enough to to speak to me today um, and, and I don't think I brush my teeth it sounds crazy but it, it was that I remember I felt that serious about about going to that service that it even occurred to me that I shouldn't you know, I shouldn't taste that sweetness in my mouth because I wanted to approach the Lord in an attitude of fasting and prayer. And uh, the service was, uh, the service was wonderful. I don't honestly remember a lot about it, except that it was a spiritual service. And uh, then your father stood, Brian McAndrew stood under the influence and uh, called both Rich Bove and myself uh, to the ministry. Uh, And I was 14, I believe at the time. Oh, look at this. Mom's coming through. Mom's coming (laughs) through for me. (laughs) What'd she say? She says, let me just open it. She says, called by Brian McIndoe, actually called by the Lord, but through God. We'll do a correction there, Mom. (laughs) Called called by God Almighty through his servant, Brian McIndoe, at the Colorado reunion. Uh, I believe you were baptized at 14. Uh, and called just before your 16th birthday. So I was about a year off or a few months off. Um, that's what, that's what mom says. And we all know that moms always, always know best. So, <laughs> so that's the, what older I, <laughs> the older I get in life, the more I'm like, mom, you know what? You, you're, you're right. You know, I, I'm <laughs> the one that's, that's, that's wrong. So that's where so we're at. That's uh, interesting because I, I agree with you. Um, I only got to attend that Idaho reunion one time, but there's just something about it when, when you're camping and, you know, I enjoy camping a lot as well, but when the reunion is up there in the campground and when the services are over to me, when a reunion like that, we don't just kind of go our separate ways, go back to our homes, go back to our hotels. The campground is something that I thoroughly enjoyed when the Idaho reunion because we all got to hang around we all got to um sit around the campfire and I think I'm not sure when it started but they used to throw peanuts at each other and yeah. uh just I just I have memories from the one Idaho reunion I went to and I probably have more memories from that than I can the other reunions I've been to but it's just something about that but that's really cool that you uh, were in tune enough to to think that highly that you you wanted it so bad that you thought that just brushing your teeth with something sweet would could hinder you because you so wanted it. So I think that's really cool how you were that in tune with that. And I've never heard that take from anybody before that I just assumed that everybody brushed their teeth before they went to to church because that's how we were taught, you know, but Not that day. <laughs> Not so that don't day. let the, don't let the kids hear about that. Cause I don't want to hear those excuses, but uh, <laughs> that's really cool. And I do appreciate that. What part of being in the ministry energizes you and what parts are the most draining? That is an interesting question. Um, what part energizes me and what part is draining? I I enjoy the small group teaching a class, youth camp, uh, that type of setting, even Sunday schools. I was asked, it was last year to, to fill in for, uh, I think it was two or three Sundays uh, for Jared here in Phoenix. And I found myself enjoying that and energized. I was excited about, you know, I'll, I'll be honest, sometimes I'm, I'm late to Sunday school on Sunday mornings, uh, to my shame. But I found myself excited and energized and wanted to be there early and making sure everything was set up and good to go. I really thoroughly enjoyed that aspect of teaching. And it's probably why the Lord called me to be a teacher is in his wisdom, he knows our personalities and in life in general, I've found, and this is a little bit of a sidetrack, but I'm going to go ahead and kind of go down this, this path a little ways. The, the things I enjoy most in life are teaching people. Um, I find that very gratifying in life. And some of the opportunities the Lord has presented to me uh, working overseas for 
on and off for the past how many ever years it's been, have been teaching people, uh, specifically the local populations uh, in other countries. And so the Lord knows that. You know, the Lord, again, it, it shouldn't surprise me or anyone that the Lord knows our personalities better than we do. And he's going to amplify the gifts that we have. And I can't help but think of the, the parable that talks about, um, you know, the, the Lord gives some, you know, a few, one, and maybe another three and another five and says, you know, take it out there. And, and these talents that I give you, make something of them and bring them back to me. And, and the Lord, I think, I know, uh, knows me better than, than even I do. And even at that young age, knew that later in life that I would find the teaching aspect of the ministry uh, gratifying. And, and so I'd have to say that part of it. I don't necessarily enjoy preaching. I, I love the back and forth. I love breaking out just like Bob Hedrick. And you can see, probably see there in my, my video, breaking out the whiteboards. Like I, I love that aspect of it. And, and, you know, getting some feedback from the crowd and getting participation and thinking of different ways that I can explain something and getting people's perspective because it, it helps, you know, I can play off that. Um, but the preaching aspect of it, I wouldn't say the preaching aspect is draining, but I will say, some of the most stressful times of my life had been, you know, preparing, trying to prepare this, a sermon and deliver it in front of people. When I went back to Africa the second time, I had been ordained at that point as a teacher. And it again was with my father, uh, Andy slash Elmer Brown, uh, the, 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 the man, the myth and the legend and, uh, and, and your dad, Brian McIndoe and, uh, I, I was a, an ordained teacher at that point, and your dad said, listen, we're going to, it's trial by fire, man. We're going to, I was just barely uh, ordained, maybe a few months by that point, uh, no more than a year. And he said, one of us is preaching every day. We're here, I forget, 30 some days. There's only a few days that we're, we don't have some place we have to be and some place we have to be spreading the word of the Lord. And so he says, you know, prepare, prepare yourself, pray about it. And I'm, I remember in that old missionary house that we had there, and I, I think that you actually know what I'm talking about, that old concrete house. Um, I remember sitting at that table, your, your dad and my dad had already gone to bed. And, you know, I'm thinking, my gosh, I have this responsibility to, to represent the Lord and represent the church. And, uh, you know, it was kind of draining. I'm, I'm not going to lie. You know, I, I felt emotionally drained. I was trying to pour myself into this uh, and, and yet another blessing. You know, the Lord provided me with that opportunity uh, at the, the dedication of the first permanent building in Kenya, uh, the Necessita local. Um, I was there, you know, and I got to witness those things and got to preach one of the first sermons in that church. Um, you know, I think all three of us preached that day is one of the longest sermon or the longest services I've ever been a part of, uh, your father, my father, several of the other ministers. And then they said, you know, Andrew, it's your turn. Uh, it's your turn to, to preach the word of the Lord. I remember standing up and looking out hundreds of people, you know, far more people than ever attend a, a reunion or church service that I'd ever been in, in, uh, my life in the church here in the United States. I remember just praying to the Lord, you know, uh, you're going to have to make my weaknesses strong. And that is draining. You know, I remember setting down after that and feeling like I need to take a nap. <laughs> I'm just exhausted. <laughs> that's, that's interesting. You say that because I have an idea for uh, a podcast and uh, so this is actually, you're going to be our first podcast of season two. Uh, oh, cool. We kind of took a, a little hiatus there. Uh, we were preparing for the, uh, church conference and we got we got kind of busy on the uh, 1830 podcast network so we're going to kick it off with you so you're our first uh, season two um, but I've been trying to figure out ideas for for podcasts and I was talking to Cody Fan, who's also um, he's got a lot of ideas um, for the 1830 podcast network as well and my idea was to to for me to go back and think of a sermon and uh, from talking to a lot of people, people have a hard time remembering full sermons. They have a hard time remembering anything about sermons. 
And I asked Cody, I said, just think of a sermon that you can remember. Just tell me like what happened in it. Or, and he was struggling to figure out a sermon. And he says, I remember stories. I remember testimonies. I remember all those things. And I was like, interesting that, that it's really hard to remember a sermon, but we all know the stories we've heard for our life. And, and that's why I was like, we should look into that a little bit more because we, we, I would, I would guess that the majority of the services we go to are sermons and the majority of the things I remember are testimonies and reunions that we all got to hang around the way we all felt when we were hanging around um, socializing and uh, just fellowshipping with each other and feeling the Lord's presence the whole time we were there. Mm -hmm. And then I was actually talking to Stephen Kimball as well about it. And I mentioned to him, I'm not going to spill all the beans, but I mentioned to him my idea and I said, and maybe I will bring up the sermon that you did. And I, I told him the sermon that I had in my mind that I remember a specific thing. And I said, I don't even know I can remember what it was about, but I remember this part of your sermon. And he says, I do remember that sermon. And even he couldn't remember what that sermon was about. And so I was like, that's interesting to me that the person who spent that time remembers that part of the sermon, but couldn't remember what it was about. So it's just something I'm, I'm thinking about doing. And uh, if that sounds interesting to people, maybe I'll be doing that here shortly. But just to, my goal was to tell the part of Stephen's sermon that I remember and then have him explain to me what that was about because I don't remember. And then just kind of toss around the ideas of maybe we should focus more on doing different types of services because like you said, the teaching aspect, I'm going to learn a lot more from talking to you and having you teach me or talking to anybody and have them back and forth, back and forth, then I'm going to get from somebody preaching a service to me. I'm not saying that we, you know, that sermons aren't, aren't awesome and aren't what we should be doing, but I just know for myself and from a lot of people I've talked to, they're going to get a lot more from that. And that also being said is when you have little kids, I have a four-year-old and a one-year-old and to sit there and listen to somebody preach for an hour to focus and pay attention like that. It's going to be really hard to do at this stage of my life, but I can sit there and talk to you. I can talk to Steven. I can talk to these ministry and get back and forth, give and take. And I'm going to remember that a lot more. So just a little idea that maybe we'll, uh, we'll have you involved with that too. Um, Just a little future into the uh, season two. How many sermons do you think you've done um, in your ministry? Oh, that's a hard one. I'm just like with these dates, like, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm so horrible about figuring out exactly when something happened or when, like when I was baptized, it's, it sounds crazy, but I didn't remember exactly when, um, how many sermons. And now I'm, I'm going to try to like do a calculation in my, in my head. Do you want to ask your mom or. <laughs> may, I, may I phone a friend or can I do like a picky <laughs> thing? Put them up on the screen and I'll, I'll choose. <laughs> And if she doesn't know the answer, she'll she'll make one up, I'm sure. Yeah, she'll be like, ah, it's this number. And then she'll be like, nope, nope, it's this number. Yeah. Well, just uh, just give an estimate of the nearest, you know, to the 10th, which one you, how many you've done. I'd say, I'm going to say probably because a huge period of my life in the past six or seven years, I've been gone. You know, I've been out of the country working and um, I haven't. I haven't, uh, I've preached a few times, but they've been on phone church and they've been uh, a couple of times in scattered and isolated places where it wasn't recorded. Those count though. Those count. Those count. Okay. Oh man, this is harder than I, than I <laughs> expected. I'm going to just put a nice round number here and say in my years in the ministry, which 15, 16, let's say 18 years that I, I probably occupied that pulpit somewhere on earth in the form of a sermon probably wow 180 times maybe something like 180. that yeah okay because there was you know on missionary trips and things like that I've, I've traveled with uh ken and marlene back in the day in honduras and uh, ronnie and tommy there and uh, jay in central mexico and of course, several trips into Africa that I referenced earlier, um, plus all the the times other places in the in the U.S. And on the missionary trips, sometimes you're preaching. You know, you, you can rack up in ten days 
a pretty good score of sermons there. Um, and I, I may be way off on that. I would be curious to know what some of the other, <laughs> some of the other guys said on that. Cause that's, that's a hard one. Yeah. I, I want to say that my dad, Brian, I don't remember what it was, but it was, it was a lot more cause he's been doing it for a long time. Joel yeah. was up there a lot too. And Bob was up there a lot too, but um, you'll have to tune in to season one of the 1830 podcast network to, to hear those answers. So uh, that being said, what, do you remember the shortest sermon you ever did? Oh, you know, if I don't, you probably do because <laughs> you were there. So the, the first sermon that I, uh, that I had the responsibility to preach um, was in Payson, Arizona. So my family, my grandfather, my grandmother, uh, a few of my aunts and uncles, and then uh, my father, um, and then Kathy and Jerry Cloyd, they all used to meet in a town that is north of Phoenix about northeast of Phoenix, about uh, an hour and a half, two hours. And there was at the time in my grandparents' home, uh, the Payson local, the Mugion local of the Church of Christ. Uh, of course, my grandparents have passed away now. And so the, the local's no longer there. But uh, my first sermon was there in front of my family. And then uh, you and several of the other of my friends growing up uh, attended that sermon. I think it was probably, I think you actually timed it because you, t- I remember you told me afterwards, uh, I'm going to guess it was probably like 15 or 18 or 20 minutes tops, but right around that 15 minutes was my first sermon. That's what, I think that's what it was. I, w- I was going to say around 15. Yeah. Um, so on the opposite of that, do you know, this might be a harder question, but what was the longest one you ever preached? Uh, I know I've, I preached a sermon that's been an hour and 20 hour and t- close to an hour and 30 minutes. Uh, it, especially the last few that I preached in Phoenix, which was a long time ago. Uh, I was getting long winded, man. People were, were saying, Hey, what did you, uh, change your last name? <laughs> <laughs> what's, what's, uh, the last name that you would have changed it to? Uh, well, it starts with a Y. <laughs> <laughs> oh, got you. Got you. That's funny. All right, this is the halfway point of the Andrew Brown interview. Second half coming at you right after this. You you touched on it a little more. You were you were gone for you said six or seven years. Tell us a little bit about that time of of your life. Well, I'll tell you as much as I feel comfortable, and I don't want anyone that listens to this or watches this to think that, you know, I'm some crazy secret squirrel type of a dude because I'm not. (laughs) Uh, But I I did get an opportunity to work uh, overseas in a number of different locations. Most people are probably familiar with uh, Afghanistan because that was where I spent the majority of my time working. you know, and I actually talked about this with uh, a couple veterans that I was with the other night. We were kind of comparing notes and uh, they were saying, you know, how many days they had calculated they had spent in either Iraq or Afghanistan or East Africa or something like that deployed. Uh, and of course, I'm not not part of the military and I never was an enlisted member of the military, but I did have the uh, very similar training and responsibilities uh, and 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 actually um, stayed and was integrated in to uh, military units. I had the great pleasure of uh, working alongside every branch of the military except the Coast Guard. I never really had anything to do with them, and got to see how the different branches functioned. And uh, you know, it was a really an, an interesting experience. Lived on military bases, forward operations bases, airfields. Um, for that period of time. So uh, it it caused me to be gone from home uh, for extended periods. I think the longest was around six months that I was gone in one specific time. Uh, But most of the time, you know, we arranged usually several months, I would have an assignment, I would fly into country uh, to one of the major airfields, CAF, BAF, or Kaya. Uh, in Afghanistan, and then I would take a helicopter out to one of the Ford operations bases, and I would stay there until, you know, the assignment was over. Sometimes it was kind of open-ended. Other times it was very set and structured. So, um, 
that is a, a kind of a brief synopsis of what it is. I also talked about earlier that I had the opportunity to, to teach and train uh, local people. So that was one of my main responsibilities in, in those places. Uh, but I also got other places as well. I, I, I was able to uh, spend a little bit of time in places like Uzbekistan and Lebanon. Um, and really, even those, th those were shorter periods and only for um, weeks rather than months each time at multiple, multiple occasions. I really got a good, a better understanding. I won't say a great understanding, or I wouldn't consider myself an expert, but of the cultures of the Middle East and Central Asia, uh, because of my exposure to the local people there and the types of responsibilities I had, opened my eyes to uh, many different things in religion and culture of, of the region. Yeah, I remember uh, when you started going over there, I remember. Uh, we would exchange some emails whenever you had some time that was technology wasn't quite what it is right now. I'm not sure if it's better, but uh, we would, I know I would shoot you some emails every now and again, and we would just, we would get back and forth and that we knew that, you know, it could be weeks or months before you get back to us. But I do remember you talking about one of the first things was um, almost the absence of, of religion over there. And I still remember some things you said in those emails where, uh, you talked about people over here where where the, the every Joe on the street here that you know we've grown up with you know in in America uh, we we can say they're probably somewhat of a good person in some way or another and you said that the that unfortunately the people that you were um, dealing with over there they just absence of religion and uh, just some of the things that you were saying, I'm uh, not to get too adept of it, but it was just, it's different because when there's an absence of religion, that their behaviors are completely different and just the way they were finding ways around things. And uh, it, it, I still remember that because it's hard for somebody to not be over there to kind of grasp the situation. So uh, I'm sure you definitely have you know seen a lot. And I, I just, I remember emailing you and I'm hearing about that stuff. And, um, I wanted to ask you if you have a specific testimony about uh, anything that's happened over there, anything you want to share. Um, there is one that uh, the one that I remember the most. And um, if you don't do that one, that's okay, but we'll talk about it later maybe. Um, but just let me know about a testimony uh, that you have in your six to seven years over there that you would like to share. Well, honestly, there are, numerous testimonies, even some I've never shared. Uh, and a couple of the testimonies that I've shared, I've only shared parts of it because they're quite long testimonies. And I thought to myself that I probably should wait until I felt like I, I was led to uh, tell those testimonies. Um, I actually, I, you know, I haven't been to youth camp in many years. And there's a certain testimony that I felt uh, I needed to share at youth camp and I, I can't say it's, you know, obviously this year it's not going to happen, but in the future I do want to attend again and be a participant in, in that forum that we as adults have to reach out to children. And I think there's, I, I know the Lord has placed something on my heart that in the future that I need to, to share a specific testimony there. There are just, countless testimonies some of them are seem very simple but were huge at the time to me uh, some of them really were simple things you know just uh, being in utter chaos at times where you know there's not a lot of certainty the Lord can wash over your heart a peace that isn't anything specific it's not like angels appeared and you know, Gabriel led an army that, you know, rescued me from a situation and not, it isn't necessarily anything like that. Just those simple times where I asked the Lord uh, for some peace because there was no peace to be found anywhere I looked. Um, you know, I, there were times that I would, uh, our, our forward operation base, one of the forward operation bases I was on there was in a, a forward area, a true forward area. 
and I was on a. Can you explain forward area? Because <clears throat> I don't, I don't, I'm not sure everybody knows, and I don't know what that means. So, so in in a war zone, the way that it's structured is you're going to have, for example, you're going to have the main airfields. You have Bath, Bagram Airfield, CAF, Kandahar Airfield. Uh, then you have Kaya, which is in, in Kabul proper, um, that also is an airfield. All are hubs of military operation. Because there's no seaport and it's a landlocked country, most everything coming in there uh, outside of a, some land routes that are up through Uzbekistan and, and drop down south and then through Pakistan, which are long land routes. And obviously, you know, for personnel transport and most of the, the supply transport, is going to come in by air into those major airfields. So those are the hubs, and those are in different parts of the country. And there's several others. There's one at, at Fob Shank, and there's a, a few others that are actually airfields that are hubs. But those three I mentioned are the, the big ones. And then from there, you have scattered out in the provinces, FOBs, Ford, Ford Operating Bases. And then those, those act like smaller smaller versions of the larger bases and those are to maintain command and control of a specific area so for example let's take the southern provinces my my first few trips to afghanistan i was in the southern three provinces which are uh, kandahar helmand and nimroz provinces and i spent the majority of my time in that helmand helmand area of operation and there is a airfield there. And one of those main hubs is at uh, Camp Bastion, which is also known as Leatherneck. Um, and it, it's, it was at the time manned by Marines and uh, the British had a presence there. So that would be the hub. That would be probably the most sec secure area in that area, AO area of operation. And then the forward operations bases within Helmand would be at strategic locations. So for example, one of those locations was Lashkargah. Lashkargah was a provincial capital. And so there was several Ford operations bases that helped secure that neighborhood, so to speak. And then getting even smaller, you had combat outposts and fire bases. Combat outposts uh, were just that. They're a very basic outposts. So from the main airfields to the Ford operating operation bases to the the combat outpost and the fire bases think about it as in the most secure to the least secure think about it as the most i'll use the word luxury uh to the least luxury you know so some of those bases had coffee shops and things like that uh, stores you know not really stores but places you could go and buy something but as you got farther out into the less secure areas the less luxury you would have, you know, to the point, some of the assignments I had were we didn't have, um, we didn't have any place to buy anything. We didn't have a, a defect, which is like a chow hall or a place where you go to, we had to eat MREs or, or just, you know, cook someone in, in the team would cook, uh, take turns cooking and, and doing the dishes and things like that. Um, no mail service in those places communications were very limited. So like you were saying, you know, emails and stuff, sometimes I had to wait weeks to get something out. And then even some of the experiences I had, uh, you know, in the winter time in the specific uh, fire base I was on, um, you know, the, the water would freeze up. So sounds nasty, but I went well over a week without taking a shower. Uh, pipes would break, you know, very basic conditions, very basic condition. So bringing that back into your, your question, sometimes in that situation, uh, oh, and then compound on top of that, someone, you know, indirect, it's called IDF, indirect fire, either mortars or rockets, complex attacks, which are actually people coming in, shooting at you, attacking the base. Uh, with multiple tactics, so like maybe a, a rocket propelled RPG, rocket propelled grenade, or small arms fire, or a rocket attack, and they would combine the tactics. That's what a complex attack is. So com combine the situation that's just bad, and then you know people trying to kill you in a very unsecure area, forward operating area, forward area. That that really is what the definition is. Uh, sometimes just having finding a little bit of peace was enough. Uh, a huge blessing, just kneeling down uh, on the ground or uh, in the, the hooches there, which are the places where you sleep, um, and just asking, Lord, you know, I, 
there's, there's turmoil and destruction around me. Give me peace. And uh, even though the angel Gabriel didn't come down and, you know, destroy the enemy, it was enough. Uh, so some of those small testimonies to me are uh, a great building of my faith. Was that a, was that a prayer that you would say every day then? Would you, uh, if you had the opportunity, was that something that you, you took into consideration and requested um, in your prayers every night? Or was that just every couple of days you were like, I just need a little, a little something here. I would say that thinking back, it wasn't something that I prayed all the time um, because a lot of times the ops tempo, you know, the, the job was, was grueling. Um, you know, it wasn't like you put in your eight hours and done. The, the enemy doesn't sleep. If someone doesn't man that wall and man those guns, and if someone doesn't show force against the enemy, the enemy will run over you. And there's a parallel there to our spiritual life uh, that I seen almost as if it was opened in a vision, the, the similitude and the parallel of fighting a physical en enemy versus fighting, you know, a spiritual enemy. If we're not constantly manning that wall, if we're not constantly showing that we are willing to fight for what we believe that the enemy will overcome us and the spiritual parallel is, is absolutely there. So that prayer that I prayed, I would say would just be when I felt, you know, listen, you know, I, sometimes you feel overwhelmed. It's just part of being a human. None of us are robots. And let me tell you, real war is nothing like any movie I've ever seen. And I don't watch violent movies. I haven't watched violent movies in years. I refuse to do it. I don't, I don't feel that desire in my life. Uh, but I'll tell you that it's nothing like that. It is, it's sweat, it's tears, it's emotional strain. It, it is a difficult situation. And so having the Lord there in my life is what really was the rock and the stability that, that enabled me not just to survive, but to thrive in that environment. But uh, testimony-wise, yeah. So that that was just kind of a a testimony that you had throughout the whole situation. Mm -hmm. So that's good. Um, so thank you for uh, telling us that about. I hope that I didn't dig too much into your personal um, life, but I'm looking forward to hearing those testimonies um, that you have on your heart that we're that we're going to be um, blessed to hear someday. Uh, a little bit of lighter side. Uh, what are your hobbies? What are you into nowadays? I know you've always had something you were into. Um, what do you What are you doing on when you're not at work, and what are you doing right now? Well, you know, I, I just I'm a true son of Arizona, I guess, in that I love the the outdoors. Kind of like we we're talking about earlier, and the spiritual connection that I felt. Same exact. You put it perfectly. Up in Idaho, you know, you're there. You're in nature, in the fresh air. So my hobbies now, I, I find myself hiking constantly. I just love to hike. Uh, my brother and I and his wife will sometimes plan a ex more extended hike. We, uh, we went out towards Horseshoe Bend and uh, by uh, Lake Mead, um, up by the Grand Canyon, you know, just doing multiple hour hikes, you know, maybe a day, a day hike in or something like that. So anything out in nature, I have a kayak. I bought a kayak a while back. I enjoy it. I don't get out and I don't use it very often. It's definitely something I enjoy uh, using. And then um, honestly, I, I really enjoy uh, hobby-wise, I would say something that probably wasn't as uh, obvious in, in my younger years uh, now is I, I actually enjoy um, going into a coffee shop and and setting and people watching and reading um, and not really doing anything if that makes sense just sitting there and enjoying the time and maybe that's not a hobby maybe that's just a change in my my personality because I used to just always want to be go 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 and do stuff but I found myself enjoying uh, reading actual books <laughs> uh, instead of listening to something on a, a uh, uh, like a book on on my uh, app or something like 
that and, and actually setting in a place and kind of feeling the, you know, just being out amongst people and um, enjoying that time. Uh, but honestly, Tony, I, I like doing all kinds of stuff. I love to hear people playing instruments and uh, every once in a while we'll go down and we'll go to the symphony with, I'll take my mom down to the symphony. Uh, maybe not a hobby, but it's just enjoyment that I find in life in so many different things. And again, I think that's probably partially based on the perspective that uh, I have changed over the years that I've spent in other places. And I've grown to appreciate things that as a kid or even a young man or in, in, in school, I didn't really appreciate as much the simpler things in life, uh, the little things in life. Yeah, I, I can agree with that because I am older than you. So I, uh, I can attest to that where things now that I thought I would never yeah. ever find joy in, I'm like, oh, this is actually pretty nice. Like, like yeah. you just said, reading a book. I've never been a reader. Um, I, I've been trying to get better at that, but you're right. You do have to find a good place to, um, to sit there and enjoy and read a book. And I actually, people who know me are going to be like, Oh, he's lying right now. But no, I actually, uh, (laughs) I have have been uh, reading a lot more and, um, enjoying the things in my life that if, you know, 20 year old Andrew and Tony were told that, Oh, you would, you'd spend your weekends listening and reading books and listening to music and stuff and not out in the desert four wheeling and shooting and all that stuff. We'd probably say, Oh, those guys are lame. But, uh, you know, that is, that is the truth of, you know, when you get to be some old guys like us, um, (laughs) (laughs) that is, that is the, uh, actuality of it right now. So before I let you out of here, uh, do you have anybody you would like to hear podcast sermon? And that being said, you still have the microphone there. So, uh, the people have asked me and by the people, it's just me. Um, I would ask (laughs) you to do, (laughs) would you do uh, a sermon um, for us on that? And that way I'm asking you on the podcast that way you can't say no. And everybody's (laughs) going to know that you owe us a sermon. So I'm going to ask you to go ahead and just do a a 20 to 30 minute sermon. Um, Not the hour and 20 minute one that you would like to do, but uh, more closer to your 15 minute one. Uh, a little bit above that is okay, but just a sermon that maybe you would like to choose to do. And then you can actually actually ask somebody um, else if you want to nominate somebody else to do a podcast um, interview or a sermon, however you can do that right now. Yeah, and I should have thought about that a little bit more of, of who I wanted to nominate because I was nominated by, who Gary. was it, Gary? Yeah, yeah, Gary, he actually texted me. He's like, hey, man, I put you on the spot. I'm like, oh, thanks. <laughs> Okay. Sounds fun, actually. Uh, and it is this sort of thing. I very, very much enjoy. So I should have been prepared to, to nominate somebody else. First part of the question. Yes, I would love to prepare something, um, you know, an hour and 20 minutes, an hour and 30 minutes, you know, something like that. Um, I, no, I, think, okay. <laughs> I, I think I can pull together, you know, 15, 20 minutes of something and uh, would be happy to do that. Um, and if there's a topic or something that you would like to, to hear about, I can do that or I can just pray about it and, and come up with something. Um, who would I like to nominate? You know, uh, the same person that was called the same day you were called has yet to do an interview or a podcast sermon. I'm just throwing it out there. Yeah, well, that's actually an excellent suggestion. And I think I'm going to take you up on that suggestion. And I'm going to nominate Rich Bove to, uh, to do a podcast with you. Uh, I'm actually curious to hear a little bit more about him. I, he's got some interesting uh, experiences in life as well. And uh, I feel a kinship and a connection to Rich. And I always have since that Idaho reunion, actually, even before we were called um, on that same day, but especially after that, um, it's just, and, and, and there we go there, there's actually a good part of that because I'm sure Rich will remember exactly like the date and the day and all that. <laughs> so he'll, he'll be the one to say, Nope, you know, you were wrong. You were this age. It was on this day. You were sitting in this place in the church. I actually do remember the place in the, the Colorado local that I was, I was setting weird things like that. I remember, but I can't remember like what my birthday is. But, uh, yeah, let's, let's go ahead and go with that. Rich Bo. Okay. We'll go with Rich. And uh, I'm looking forward to that because he does have some crazy stories that 
Um, hopefully we talk about that. And uh, I, I'm going to just let you know what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask him if uh, we fire up the, uh, the camping reunion again up there too, because that was some good times up there. And I know they've gone away from that, but maybe if it's not in Idaho, maybe we do a retreat or something up there too, because I, I do enjoy that. And I think that we, we could all benefit from something like that, especially after this, this year where we've all been kind of isolated from each other. So uh, I'm going to throw that in there and I'm going to say that you said it too. So we're going to kind of start the movement on that. Um, and the very last thing is, do you have anything you'd like to say before we uh, leave? Oh, you know, I've, I've done a lot of talking and again, that's something that has changed in my life. There was a point that I just hated to talk in front of people. I felt awkward and I still do if it's a big group, but something like this, I just enjoy it. So I find myself talking a lot and almost talking more than I would normally. Uh, so I appreciate the opportunity. I also appreciate uh, you and Cody and DA is also, and Daniel are involved in the yeah. 1840. I don't want to leave anyone out, but everyone who's involved, it's just such a marvelous use of technology. Uh, and something that came across my mind when I was thinking about this, I, I did have a scripture come to mind and a few thoughts. So I will, uh, I'll go ahead and read that because, you know, specifically yeah, thinking about this conversation, um, I feel like the Lord brought a few things to my mind. So I'm going to read a scripture that's very familiar to the majority of us. Yeah, we, we really, we've heard these sort of things our whole life, but I find myself reading them again and having a little bit different thought about it. Sometimes, you know, the Lord will bring something else out in the scriptures. That's why we believe that these are living scriptures. They're not just words on a page in red and black ink, but these are truly the words of God inspired by the spirit of God carried through the generations that we can benefit in a way that in the same way, in the same spirit as when they were given originally. So the scripture I'd like to, to read is uh, in Hebrews chapter 11. And I don't know exactly how much I'm going to read here. So I'm just going to start reading and stop when I feel like I need to stop. So Hebrews chapter 11, <clears throat> excuse me, it says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for the evidence of things not seen. For by it, the elders obtained a good report. Through faith, we understand that the worlds were formed, or framed, excuse me, by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it he being dead, yet speaketh by faith Enoch was translated not he such as to see death and was not found because God had translated him for behold his translation he had his testimony that he was that he pleased God but without faith it is impossible to please him for he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him by faith, Noah, being warned of God, of things not seen yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to save to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and because and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. And we know in this chapter, it's, it's like the faith hall of fame, I've heard it referred to. It goes through many of these instances. You know, it talks about, the, a lot of the heroes of the Bible uh, and through that chapter talks about by faith, they accomplish something mighty for the Lord. And it uh, occurred to me that we have a record of these things that God caused by his inspiration, those ancient brothers to write these things down for our benefit that we might have something to help us in our journey or lay the foundation of our faith. So what occurred to me, and I'm going to read one more quick scripture. So just to interject, that was Hebrews 11 verses one through seven, just so if anybody's following along. Correct. One through seven. 
we're going to turn just briefly to chapter 12. I think I'm going to read the first two or three verses there. It says, wherefore, same thing, Hebrews chapter 12, wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. So that's the first two verses of the 12th chapter. What occurred to me when I was thinking about this conversation that we're having, this opportunity that we have, is in the previous chapter, the 11th chapter, we have example after example. Abraham, Noah, Moses, all these titans of the scriptures, you know, the ones that we refer to, we are taught in Sunday school as a child. We teach our, your kids, I'm sure, have been taught about all these heroes of the Bible and how that all is contained, a record of that is contained in these verses. And then in the 12th chapter, it says, we're, we're compassed about, we're surrounded. We, we've just gone through a huge cloud of witnesses of how God has actively blessed these people whom at the time, you have to remember at the time too, this is New Testament, you know, those were all taught to them as, you know, Father Abraham and, and Moses led the people out of, of Egypt and all these things. So, you know, it was, a, it was as much a witness to them as it is us today. And the thought that I have is that our faith as individuals are in part, obviously we know the Spirit of God has a lot to do with it, but are in part based upon the things that were recorded, that were witnessed, that were written down thousands of years ago, that our salvation can start, our faith can begin, our journey can progress through whatever part of our spiritual walk we're in, if we're not baptized or if we're considering baptism or if we're baptized or, or if we're the oldest member of the church, that journey is, is that process of building faith. And all that and all those witnesses occur to me in, con in the context of this conversation that it is important, it is imperative that we today do the same thing. And we can do that in multiple ways. We can do that by living an example. People can see our faith by, by witnessing how we live we can do that by our conversation, by speaking. We can do that by conducting things through technology, such as we're doing here. And how, what really struck me was how important this is, that your children, and perhaps someday my children, if the Lord blesses me with that, uh, and their children and their children's children will have a record of the blessings that you and I have talked about today, that those things are contained, that they become that cloud of witnesses that we have here in the scriptures, that it is added to that, that their faith in future generations can be built not only by the scriptures that we have, but by our testimony, by the the instances in our life that the Lord has blessed us. And it, it, it occurs to me that this type of medium that we have, Zoom, podcasts, uh, you know, the video chats, the things that even in, in your and mine lifetime, we didn't have this growing up, you know, our first cell phones. I remember when you got your first cell phone, Tony, it was the coolest thing ever. You know, I was <laughs> a couple of years younger than you. I was like, man, that's awesome. I can't wait until I get that flip phone that I can, text, I can text somebody with, <laughs> you know, let alone, you know, a smartphone that it, literally I can launch a space shuttle off the technology on my phone. It's that advanced. Uh, it occurs to me that it's just important that we do stuff like this, that we make sure to record the times the Lord has blessed us, the testimonies we have that your children and future generations have that cloud of witnesses. 
that's about all I have. Well, I, I do appreciate that. We, when we were originally talking about launching this podcast network, we, we have, I mean, we saw a lot of things we haven't done. We haven't scratched the surface on what is capable and hopefully in 10 years from now, we've grown it to something that we never could have imagined. But, uh, majority of what we're doing right now is interviewing ministry, uh, having them do sermons. And that's just something that, that Cody and I, uh, and, you know, Daniel's doing a lot of uh, studies that, that he's, you know, given us a lot of podcasts already about um, the book of Mormon studies. And uh, we're just looking for stuff that we can do because we are not in the ministry. So we're looking for stuff that we can do to help out. And one of the main things we wanted to talk about was we wanted to get, testimonies on there and it doesn't have to be ministry it doesn't have to be uh a sermon we want to get these testimonies that we've heard um before the people you know aren't able to say them anymore and i look i look at you know you and i were we're pretty close in age growing up and very similar upbringing and very similar um technology and stuff we remember the sermons and the testimonies that we heard growing up but uh, they they might be recorded somewhere, but a lot of the testimonies I don't think were recorded, no. and and we're gonna slowly over time we're gonna forget the details we're gonna forget uh, about the the missionary trips that my grandfather Don went on that Hugh went on uh, in looking at your lifetime and you're gonna forget uh, your testimonies about when you were in Africa because I, I went in Africa as well. And it was, it was equally life-changing to me as well. It, it does shift your whole perception of your life. And uh, everybody has sermons, or not sermons, everybody has testimonies like that. And we just got to find a way. We've, we've asked people if they want to get on and say a testimony. Um, so if you are listening to this and you do have a testimony, we would love to uh, let you record it and send it in to us. We would love to, uh, we could even call and interview you like this and have you do that whatever the people feel most comfortable doing, we gladly would do that for you. We can come to your house when all this COVID-19 stuff is open. We can drop off a microphone. We can let you record it however you want. We just want to get them out there and that way people can hear these testimonies and we have them for, you know, as long as we have technology and we can have them and everybody can listen to it and they won't be forgotten. So I appreciate you, um, bringing it from that angle too, because that is very much what we've been trying to do. And we were trying to use technology, um, to, to record, you know, the things that we we want to hear and listen to. And the technology right now is just so readily available that, uh, we just took advantage of it and we're trying to, to make this greater than it was because a lot of people that didn't grow up in the Phoenix local, like you and I probably haven't heard the testimonies that we've heard may not ever have an opportunity to listen to those sermons or those testimonies. So that's, what we're trying to, we're trying to reach out to the world. And I know that people um, in Africa have been watching our YouTube videos and hopefully listening to these podcasts. Um, and if you don't know what I'm going to do right now, I'm going to actually wave. Uh, you're waving as well. We're on video chat right now, but uh, we're waving to the people in Africa right now. So if you guys are listening to this, we are waving to you right now because that's something that, I remember growing up was every time a missionary would come back from Africa, they would wave to us and say, they all told me to do this to you. So um, we're waving. And I think that the technology in Africa is a lot better now as well. And I think they have access to podcasts. I think they have access to YouTube. I think they, you know, they are right there with us in technology where it might be as a little different the way of getting it, but I think they have all access to this as well. So I would love to hear testimonies from, from Michael and Moses and Margaret over in Africa, the things that we heard while we were over there, I'd yeah. like for people over here to hear those as well and just kind of unite this church all as one. So I appreciate your, your words and I couldn't agree with them more. Well, and that's just something that, you know, this conversation has actually came full circle in several regards. Uh, it's also something that I was thinking specifically about this conversation uh, right before we got on the call was that, you know, we're talking about books earlier and how in certain parts of your life and my life, you know, I don't want to read a book. Like I'll read a book if I have to read something and then I'm just going to skim through and be like, Oh yeah, I read the book in school or something. And I can't tell you how many times I did that in school and, and somehow got away with it. But, uh, 
Now we enjoy doing that, but the fact of the matter is I feel, and I'm, I think I can speak for you as well, that we're on that cusp of the generation where handheld technology and video technology was really at the cutting edge, didn't really exist in any usable way for the, the individual person before that. So I feel like I'm kind of grasping and, and holding on and staying current in technology, but the fact of the matter is books will become obsolete at some point. I think there'll always be people that have them in their libraries, but when it comes to education and you know the next generation and the following generation, this is how things are going to be recorded. This is how libraries are going to be digitally uh, documenting and people are going to be video chatting and reading or expressing themselves. We see this already every day uh, in our society and business and media, you know, they use the video chats and everything. And so I think that when it comes to giving credence to the testimonies and the faith that has been recorded in the scriptures, such as we read, there is nothing in my mind that prohibits us from doing that same thing. We, what, there's nothing saying that, that the Lord telling Noah to build an ark in the middle of a field and saying, Hey buddy, it's going to rain. I know it's never rained before, but it's going to rain. The earth is going to flood. You know, everyone's going to, everyone on earth is going to think you're crazy, but I'm doing this to preserve you. The Lord telling Noah to do that and the Lord telling Tony to do something or Andrew to do something. It's the same Lord. It's the same spirit. And it should be an addition to that cloud of witnesses. So I just, I greatly appreciate your efforts and, uh, I can see that this can be a tool utilized uh, to help reach more people in more places and to also help connect some of the younger generation that just finds this as this is just how they communicate now uh, versus you and I that you know we grew up with uh, maybe a text message or a phone that had a cord attached to the wall to call your girlfriend or whatever <laughs> in the living room uh or whatever it was so I, I appreciate the efforts and i can really see that this could become a ministry a tool you know unto itself always a pleasure talking to our brother andrew brown thank you very much for your time this is tony mackindu have a great day everybody